Welcome to the fifth episode of VSTML 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstone, and joining me as always is not the Canadian who would be spending most of his time filling nails on sticks, Logan Saunders, but instead our Vidim supply teacher, the guy who would love to win £2,543.88 on a quiz, Anthony Williams. Hey, nice to be here. He got a very urgent call up earlier when Logan was AWOL thanks to the Philippines, so... Ant complains on after the Hunted podcast last night he doesn't get enough Vidim chat. Here you go. Yep, be careful what you wish for. We have two very different opinions on this episode, because it's the first one this season that I've really loved. Yeah, and I really did not love it at all. And Ant thought it was basic. Yeah, it was Vidim by numbers for me, but um, we'll go through it. Maybe, maybe I was just not quite in the frame of mind, because I was kind of running around going, ah, I've got to get this watched and notes written and get ready and all the other things. So, yeah. Two very stressful days for both of us today. (laughs) The things we do for these tens of listeners, Mike. I know, literally tens of people. Crazy. So previously, Nikki got a red screen from the previous episode, while Jamie and Sinan stopped everyone earning money in a game of caged chicken. In a hotel balcony game, half of the entire team was wrong, while Jamie loved reading tits and asses at a coffee farm. And at the execution, Evelyn got cut by a hidden open yoker. Yeah, so we start with who switched to yoker. And incidentally, I can't believe I'm doing this the week after the coffee quiz. I know. The one guy we could call up for a coffee general knowledge quiz, isn't it? and you happen to not be available. And I did actually know some of them. So, there you go. In case nobody knows this, Ant works for Costa Coffee. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not really a coffee expert, don't tell anybody. Now, when you joined Costa, you didn't actually like coffee, am I right? That would be fair to say, although I do drink it now, and and very much enjoy it. I'm loving almond vanilla latte at the moment. But now you're loving the Coca-Cola overlords. Oh yes, all about the Coca-Cola. When you get the corporate trip to Atlanta, you know where I am. Yep, well, there was a few over from Atlanta last week, I tried to get a lift back, but... And interestingly, in the group photo, I noticed that Sarah's hands move from her front to her back. And the group photos have been clues before. Mmm. God, you notice some random stuff. Well, I'm always looking out for it because they've used the group photo a few times in different seasons for, like, hinting at the mole using sign language to say Ikbendamole, hinting at someone always making a an M sign with their hands, that sort of thing. Mmm. So what what are you taking from that then? Anything, nothing? Oh, I don't know. It's it's the sort of thing where I I flag it and then I can just come come back to it later in the season and go, this is what I told you guys. <laughs> and day nine begins in Barry Chara, and Rick Paul knows Neil shanked Evelyn and Sarah helped him with it, which is basically what I said last week. Yeah. So so it was Neil's that swapped it. What do we? Because are you still on Neil's, or have you moved to someone else? You're still tunnel vision. I'm still 100% on Neil's. So, does that make him look more moly or less moly? I was wavering last week. Last week was the first time I've wavered on Neil's, because of the whole, I knew it was him, because of, they released a bonus clip because of the controversy on it. So they released a bonus clip showing exactly what happened. It was on, it was on the bus ride. Sarah put herself between Evelyn and Evelyn's bag. Neil swapped the yoker over, and then played Evelyn's yoker last week as well. Last week I thought it made him look less moly. This week I feel like it pivoted towards them trying to make it a mole action. Okay. It just felt a little... I don't know. Is it too obvious or is it... But you're always second-guessing in this show, aren't you? Like they can, 
you could literally have the mole say every week, oh, by the way, I'm the mole. And you'd be like, well, it's definitely not him then. And then it turns out it was. So I, I'm beyond trying to second guess what the, what they're trying to tell us with stuff. It was a tad heavy handed still, but I feel like they made it look a lot more molexy than they did last week. Last week they showed Niels crying over it. This week they basically showed him being like, it's a game, what do you expect? Yeah, it, yeah, very much so. It's like, well, of course it was me. Duh. And Niels says that he never thought that he would get Evelyn cut by swapping the Yokers over. And I'm going to put this to bed right now. He did not get Evelyn cut because of the Yoker. Uh, do we know the scores then? No, but we've already seen this season. Rick would have said if it was a tie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so she was, yeah. Last week he didn't mention it was a tie, therefore she lost fair and square. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. It would have been too too interesting not to mention if it had an impact, wouldn't it? It was a shitty thing for him to do if he isn't the mole. It was a shitty thing for him to do even if he was the mole, but it didn't actually have any effect. Yeah, okay. And because this is the first time, obviously, I've had a chance to talk to you about it, what, what do you think of the Yoka twist? Are you in favour? I like it. I don't think it's as big a sort of tentpole twist as it could be. Mm. I mean, I like it aesthetically. Yeah. yeah. But it's not a kind of big enough twist, and it's obviously not playing a part in every episode, which is probably a good thing. No. I'm not sure they'll do it ever again. No, I, I thought it was a good novel idea. I, I like the idea of you take the risk and either you win big or you invalidate what you've got. I quite like that. So in the first challenge of the episode, the contestants must find nine parts of the picture of the street in the town of Bauduchara. And they must form three groups, which is Jamie, Niels and Sinan, Marilyn Roberts and Sarah and Rick Paul. And each group gets an envelope with their pieces and they have 45 minutes to find them all, return them back to the start to grab 1,800 euros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a basic ball challenge, but it, it's nice to see them succeed after being so at each other's throats last week. Yeah, it's nice to see them do well, but it's just it's just so dull. I mean, it, it's just a wander around the town, say buenos dias, do some poor Spanish, find some stuff, bring it back. Do they not do this every week? They have been doing it a lot this season. Yeah, I'll give I, you think, that. I think they could come up with something a little more inventive. On the flip side, I thought it was very nicely staged, and I thought the picture that they got was really cool, how it got the perfect perspective. I thought that was good. They put a lot of work into making the picture right. Probably should have spent a bit more time thinking about making the task interesting. Yeah, and what it stinks of for me is the fact that they obviously didn't know how many people they would be playing this with. They were either going to be playing it with six or seven. And this has been throughout the entire season since the first episode is that they've had to plan tasks where they don't know whether it's going to be one more or one less. Mm. We had it at the coffee farm last week where Cena just didn't have an overall because it was obviously planned for only seven people. And we have it again here where it's like, yeah, just form three groups and there'll be one larger. Yeah, it just didn't quite gel for me. It, it just strikes me, this season actually just strikes me as being a little bit lazy. I think they're resting on their laurels from last year a little bit. That's the thing. They obviously couldn't do what they did in the first episode last year because that's one of the best pieces of television ever created. And I think there's a bit of upheaval with, obviously, Rick coming in. And from my comments in the first week, I much prefer Rick now than I did in week one. I think he's settled into it a lot more and he's obviously a lot less nervous with it. Yeah, I I think he's fine. 
Um, I think it's a shame that the, the production didn't go all out and give him some really good stuff to work with, that's all. It is a bit lazy, I'm not going to lie, and I don't really want to criticise Vidim because Vidim is, you know, one of my favourite TV programmes ever, but also it's a little bit basic and a little bit lazy, and I think it goes back to what I was discussing with Logan a few weeks ago, in that, was Columbia an alternate location? So you think they, they had to kind of just pull it together at the last minute? Yeah, I don't know where it could have been, and we don't usually find out these things until like 18 months afterwards, but it'd be interesting to know whether they actually intended on going to Columbia, or whether they ended up going to Columbia. It would make sense if they ended up there, because the, the assignments are just what-have-we-got-to-hand kind of tasks. Well, that's the biggest clue towards it potentially being that, because there's been seasons in the past we've had Iceland Spain was supposed to be Morocco Spain, which makes a lot of sense with the transition that they did because they had to do flying instead of just driving them across the border. And that was because of the Arab Spring. Sri Lanka was a last-minute change from uh, Russia because they were going to do a full season in Russia, which then, of course, gave us the best opening episode of all time of any TV show ever. Mm-hmm. It it stinks of that again, and the sort of, these aren't necessarily culturally, culturally relevant, we can just do it wherever. Yeah, and they, yeah they're just kind of like, Oh, we're we're in a typical Colombian village. Let's just get people knocking on doors. So, anyway, I still think in five episodes we've not seen a task that couldn't have been done anywhere else. No, I can't think of anything that's particularly unique, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, as you said, bad vidim is better than good most stuff. So, so everyone lays out their pictures on the ground, and I have a suspected mole action of did the mole just mess them around somehow and try and send people in the wrong directions. Yeah, it, it looked like that may be what was going on. Especially when Neil says that he isn't a puzzler. Yeah, yeah. I'm still five weeks in on Neil's, I'm just watching him like a hawk now. You're fully tunnel visited on him, but and, and I, but I've been dragged into it as well, so it's hard for me to stay objective now. The problem for me is that I've lost so many times on the suspect list and I've been really close. I need to just go all in on someone now, because I should have gone all in on Jan last year, and I probably wouldn't have won, but I would have come very close. I need to go all in on someone, and I went with Niels in week one, and I'm not changing it till he loses. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think you've got a reasonable chance, to be honest. This was a good episode for potentially Niels being the mole. Mm, yeah, there was a few bits here that were a little bit out, I thought. I was a lot more self-assured with my pick of Niels this week than I was last week. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, this t- this task went pretty much as you would expect it to, apart from the one bit where Sarah and Rick Paul walked into a place and, and thought that the picture didn't belong to them. Are they, like, expecting to see random pictures on easels in courtyards? It's just a bit like, what? Just grab that bloody thing. It wasn't abundantly clear whether they would get penalised for taking another team's pictures. That's the thing. Well, it didn't seem like that was a rule. It seemed... It, sounded to me like working teams bring the pictures back. Because if that wasn't a rule, what I would have done is laid out all the pictures, got a Colombian local and said, which ones of these are nearest? Give mm. that to the most suspicious group, and then just order them like that. Uh, yeah, but, but other than that, other than that, it was a fairly straightforward task, I thought, really. Um, you know, maybe Neil's group was a bit slow, is that suspicious? But... There wasn't an awful lot of stuff that stuck out to me on this one. No, it was a pretty by-numbers task, and it was a pretty easy win for the team, and I suspect them all might have been told to kind of cool it a little bit this week, given that they have been doing very well recently. 
Yeah. And you never know what's coming up, do you? You could have an entire episode where he just lets them build it up because they know that there's something they can do in a future episode that just wipes it all back out again. So yeah, everyone gets the pictures. They win 1,800 euros. Woo-yay hoopla. <laughs> and Rick, Paul, Sarah and Niels make a secret triple bonja. Great yeah. word. To try and split up Jamie and Merrill. I love just dipping into the Dutch occasionally because triple bonja is such a wonderful word. It is. It's, it's not my favourite word of the episode, but we'll be getting to that soon, so that's good. However, I have a problem with this in that you cannot target people in Vidum. No. That's not no. how it works. It's not how it works. That's how you go home. The only way you can do it is by misleading people, and to do that, you have to know concretely who the mole is. And Sarah says she's using the triple bonja to keep an eye on both of them, and she won't tell them the whole truth, but she suspects them both. Well, she's definitely wrong then, isn't she? <laughs> and we see two license plates, which is XVB234 and WDV116 before the next challenge. I suspect that if we see things like this in the B-roll, it's probably going to end up being a clue. Yeah, I just couldn't couldn't spot anything. It's likely to be something in Dutch, which makes it really hard when you see written down clues. And talking of a challenge that's really hard to see written down clues for, the second assignment. Yeah. In the second assignment, seven cars with letters will go around the course, and the candidates must form five, six, or seven-letter words. For each five-letter word they get, correct? They get 50 euros. For each six-letter word, it's 100. And for each seven-letter word, it's 200 euros. And they have 45 minutes to earn as much money as is physically possible. And, since they changed the graphics last season, this is the first challenge we've had with no maximum prize officially. Mm. However, me being me... I did the maths. If I'm right, which I am, this is potentially the largest prize fund of any Vidum task ever. Really? Because there were three combinations of the letters, and because I'm me, I did look at a Dutch Scrabble Anagramma website to try and work out the number of combinations they could have got. I have no words. I know. The first one could have earned them 28,500 euros if they'd got all of the lots and lots of words. In the time, as well. I'm assuming, given that it was three waves, that it was 15 minutes each. Yeah, it seemed about that. This is a theoretical maximum, can I point out? So this is based on them instantaneously spotting every possible word combination and getting the cars in, in time. So, if somehow, some way, they had managed to get all of the words in the first one, they would have got 28,500 euros for that. Because there was 12 seven-letter words, 102 six-letter ones, and 318 five-letter ones. <laughs> it gets better. In the second wave, there was a maximum of 33,250, because there was 299 five-letter words, 57 six-letter words, and 63 seven-letter words, using, of course, the two vowel tiles. And in the third wave, there was a maximum of 12,900, because there was four seven-letter words, 35 six-letter words, and 172 uh, five-letter words. In which case, they did appallingly. Meaning that, theoretically, they could have won €74,650 for the pot. And all they would need to do is be some sort of savant on word skills and have Formula One drivers in the car. (laughs) But instead, they get Merrill, the lingo champion, who won 6,400 guilders. Yeah, a long while ago. Which, can I point out, in real money is now £2,543.88. pence. How do you know the currency of a defunct... Uh, sorry, the exchange rate of a defunct currency? I googled it. <laughs> I'm assuming that's based on what it was when the euro took over. 
Okay, fair enough. And Neil says that he's good with language, but of course they don't trust him, because why would you trust them all? Mm, indeed. But, but even that said, how the hell did Sarah end up on the scaffolding? I don't know, because if you say the words, I am super dyslexic, you will not be going anywhere near my scaffold. No, and it appeared like they could swap her out at any time as well. So after a couple of minutes of her going, hey guys, I'm dyslexic, I'd be kind of thinking, get the hell out of there, let's get someone who might actually be able to help. Did they just trust her that much? I don't know, it just seemed a bonkers move to me. Or a clinkers move, maybe. <laughs> clinkers is my favourite Dutch word. I can't, I can't think of any purpose for knowing that the Dutch word for a vowel is clinker. But, well, having said that, it's come up in two years running in series of them also. It's obviously very useful. I do quite like that in our mole coverage, we've only done two seasons. We did Belgian mole last year, and we do, we're doing Vidum this year. And in both times, we've had game show parodies. Yeah, and both times have involved clinkers. We had Wheel of Fortune last year on a boat with Gilles de Costa. We had Scrabble the previous year. It's good. I like it. It, d- it makes life hard, though, when it's word games. It isn't really that conducive to, you know, English people. Yeah, it's not so much play-at-home play fun, really, is it? And finally, they ask the question that we've been asking for five weeks. What will CNAN do? Bugger all is the answer. I don't know whether you've been following our coverage of, um, of Vidim so far, and, and I'm assuming you haven't heard last week's at least, but CNAN is our favourite, because he does nothing, apart from try and destroy everyone's happiness. Which is an interesting role to take. You see him in the background of shots just punching kittens in the face and generally trying to make people miserable. And yet, privately, he goes, oh no, I would never sell, sell I'd never buy a yoker out the pot. And he's like, make your mind up, Sinan Khan. You're either a diabolical bastard or you're too nice for this game. <laughs> he's funny to watch in that I've never seen anything like it. It's like, what did you cast this guy for? He's just completely and utterly useless at everything. Yeah. Honestly, I've never ever seen this archetype before. The guy who just hangs around and does nothing. He came into the season going, oh, I'm going to run this game, I'm going to be the Dutch Russell Hans, and within like 20 minutes he's he's just trying to be nice to everyone. If he turns out to be the mole, it's genius casting. He's not the mole. <laughs> we'll wait and see. I don't think he's the mole, but we'll see. I mean, they've had inept, or people pretending to be inept on the mole before being the mole. But they've never had anyone like Sinan generally. Because he just genuinely is playing far too nice for what he walked in as. But he's also just completely useless. He's absolutely surplus to requirements in every opportunity. Which is why it'd be a hilarious mole, but you never know. I I think it's highly unlikely. (laughs) I mean, a lot of these games are built for there to be a one-person wheel room in there, but Sinan keeps taking up that role every time, and just mm-hmm. being useless. But I think I think the group are quite comfortable with it now, because they're like, well, let's just let him do his useless Sinan thing, and then that's one person we don't need to watch, because we'll just discount him. He's been the bottom of my suspect list for a while now. Well, he's still there. It was so. him, Nicky, and Robert. And in each round, they have to use the five consonants that they're given, but they can pick two vowels to enter at any time. Clinkers. Clinkers, yep. 
And it's at this point that Sarah admits that she's super dyslexic, but also good with Ant's favourite phrase and an Ellie Lust homage, Eta Discipline. Oh, yes. I'm very glad that you you managed to join me for an episode with Eta Discipline. You need some Eta Discipline. I noticed they started calling it Porto Discipline as well, but it's not the same. It's not as good. It's because Ellie Lust has um, trademarked the phrase. Exactly. Exactly that. There was... Um... There's a YouTube video, and I can't, I can't remember which episode it is, but in the comments, somebody mentioned Ellie Lust, and I just put a kind of Ellie Lust heart thing. I've never had so many likes and comments on, on a YouTube comment in my life. Like Every day, I'll get like two or three people going, yeah, she's ace, <laughs> in, in Dutch, obviously. I don't know what it is about Ellie Lust, but she just she's just a wonderfully intense person that they got on the mole who, yeah. she's a national treasure. She is. She's the best. She, she's probably my favourite mole contestant of all time. And weirdly, she's involved with Dutch Hunted. Yeah, yeah, because she's law enforcer. I don't know what role she plays with Dutch Hunted, but I'm pretty sure she's involved in HQ somewhere. So in the first round, they make Strat and then Start. And Neil says, if we continue to communicate calmly, we'll get the most value. Way to go with actually understanding the rules. Yeah. If only someone said that pretty much at the beginning of every single assignment. <laughs> hey guys, we could either think this through and do it really well, or no, oh, they've all gone off running in different directions, like screaming children. Right, never mind. <laughs> and in the second round, all the cars leave, and they get new letters, and they quickly make uh, 350 or words, and Jamie is not impressed, and he threatens to strike, because as Neil says, he's a staker, a starker. It was all a little bit schlordy, I have to say. And Neil says he wants to bet high and try and get seven-letter words, because he's understanding the game. But is he, though? Because I reckon I could come up, in English, I reckon I could come up with three five-letter words quicker than I could come up with one seven. Yeah, but you'd need four. Four, then. I think you can come up with five-letter words a lot quicker, and that's based purely on watching Countdown. Have you ever applied for Countdown out of interest? No, I am appalling at that game really 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 bad i can't do anagrams at all i'm okay on the numbers round but not by any means good it's just not my thing knowledge just knowing random rubbish that's that's what i do and jamie drives in the wrong lane and they make a mistake because they don't have the two the two l's that they would need for heldlach see that's what i do on countdown is i make up a word and then realize that i've used the same letter twice do that all the time so it's an easy mistake to make. But Robert, because he's at the target age for Countdown, suggests Slodig, which is messy, and it's correct. And Rick Paul says that he can see Robert in an armchair with a puzzle book on a Sunday afternoon. Which is what he can be doing for the rest of the season. Yeah, baking cakes. And as the time runs out, they see the, the word finished, and they win 1,350 euros for the pot, out of a, not actually that possible, 74,650. <laughs> A real, I reckon realistically they should have been coming up to about two thousand, really. But that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, in the first round alone, there were twelve seven-letter words that they could have got with those yeah. letters. It's hard though under pressure, I think, to think of the words. It is hard under pressure, but also it was doable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they always are, aren't they? All the t- all the assignments are doable, but it's time pressure, things going on. All of the rest of it. Mole action. Everything's just going to have an impact. 
realistically, they could have topped 10,000 euros on that challenge if they played it correctly. Mm, I think they would have been lucky to get more than two. Because that's only 50 words in 45 minutes. That's a lot of words. Yeah, but the second round alone had 63 200 euro words. Just because they exist doesn't mean you're going to find them any quicker. 63, though. (laughs) There were 79 seven-letter words available in the 45 minutes of time. Yeah, okay. And they got one that we saw. That's rubbish. One more than I would have got. And Jamie says that he isn't happy that Sarah was on the scaffold over Niels, but it's almost like the mode wants me on the scaffold. Well, yeah. Hmm. Sarah is my phone number two, as you might have guessed. Yeah, I, I think I'd go along with that based quite a lot on this episode, because it's probably the one I've watched closest. I can see why that would be a good place to position, but then would you be so Blazer. overt about being dis... Yeah, why would you tell everybody that you're dyslexic if you're trying to be the mole? I don't know. I still don't think it is Sarah. I think it's Niels. Mm. Because no one's still five episodes in said they suspect Niels. No, and that and that is often a sign, isn't it? You, you tend not to get many people signposting that they're... Doing it. Well, obviously, because if they were on the right lines, wouldn't be going home, would they? So, the previous two seasons, we've seen a final three where the loser has not known who the mole is, mm. and I'm wondering whether that's going to continue if Niels is the mole. Could well do. And between the challenges, everyone goes through the quiz questions about each other, and Meryl and Sarah and Rick, Paul and Jamie both decide on a list bonjour. Yeah, or a list bonjour. What are your views on swapping notes? It depends how concrete you are in your suspicions. Mm. Because if you are concrete in your suspicions, it's good, especially if you can form a Leist Bonjo with the mole. Yeah, I think that's what you're aiming for, isn't it? So that you can categorically catch them telling lies. The problem is, of course, that if you're too forward with a list Bonjo, you're going to make someone know that you suspect them. I think I'd be tempted to just leave it be. I think it's risky. Oh, it's super risky, but if you're confident in your convictions about who the mole is, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's too early. It's halfway through. I know, but it's not... I don't Over think halfway, it's actually. Yet. Yeah, I suppose uh, they should be, should be tunneling in by now. Nine episodes. We're, we're already on, like, day 10, day 11. Yeah, it just feels early, because nothing's happened. <laughs> Something I did notice, though, that seems to be a change from old seasons. Sarah has her phone. Yeah, I saw that. Which is really odd, because they used to make a big thing of hand over your passports, hand over your wallet, hand over your phone. Yeah, unless it's like locked down so they can only do certain stuff. I don't know. But still, how would they do that with 10 potentially different phones? Unless they give them a phone and they can only contact each other or something. Yeah, but Sarah had her notes about what she'd put on the questionnaires. Uh, yeah. That was why she was using it. So the final assignment, here's a mole classic, it takes place at a waterfall, and everyone must abseil 80 metres down the waterfall to find the codes for two money boxes. They had formed two groups, which is Rick, Paul, Jamie, Niels and Robert, and Sarah, Meryl and Sinan, and each of them must remember the combination of pins and nails and beads and buttons on a stick, which they will then find hidden on the waterfall attached to a rope. That will correspond to the numbers, and that will let them unlock the money boxes. Now, screw it up, Seenan. <laughs> yeah. Because if anyone is going to sit down and do sweet FA in this challenge, it's obviously going to be Seenan. And he says that he's too heavy for the harness, even though the security guys said, yeah, you'll be fine. He decides like he's too that. heavy. 
I really like that. Is because you're expecting. Yeah, I'm too heavy for the harness. I've just spoken to the safety guys and they said I shouldn't do it. But no, it's yeah, they've said I'll be fine, but I've decided I'm too heavy. <laughs> it's just brilliant. I've decided that 130 kilos is too much. Yeah, I just, I just thought, you know what? I've got better things to do. I'm just going to go over there. See you later. So yeah, that leaves uh, Sarah and Meryl to remember his combination too. And this is the point where I go, if Sinan was suspecting that he was not going to do it, why didn't he move himself to the group of four? Yeah, he should have done. They don't think it's through, though, do they? Now he's just screwing up Meryl and Sarah. <laughs> yeah. And Neil says that he's the most scared and chooses to go second last just in case he bottles it and then the person after him can try and remember his combination. Yeah, which is, you know, a, a fairly team-thinking way of doing it, I suppose. It is, but then, evidently, everyone remembered Niels' combination just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, which, yeah, adds more for them to do, I suppose. And, yeah, you would definitely go towards the end, if you were the mole, because you want to see what's going on, wouldn't you? See how badly you to screw it up. All it takes is one number to be wrong, and then you lock the box. Mm-hmm. So Jamie and Sarah are the first pair to go down the waterfall, and she is much more terrified than he is, because it sounds like he has done skydives and bungee jumps and everything. Yeah, it did look quite good fun, actually. It's not the kind of thing I would normally do, but I like the idea of abseiling down a waterfall. I think it's quite cool. I've done abseiling before, and I was terrible at it. I've not done it for a hell of a long time. I was a kid, and I was terrible then, so I, would, I wouldn't imagine I've got much better. I'm not wonderfully confident when I'm just hanging off somewhere by a rope. Yeah. I'm not kind of seen and weight, but I'm also not that confident when I'm just attached by one little thing to a rope, stopping me from falling to my death. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be fearful of that. I'm just not very adept at doing stuff like that. I'd be just trying to remember how to do it and get it wrong. I think we have previously discussed that we're both not wonderful fans of heights. No, I'm not scared of them, but I'm not particularly good. fond of it. Yeah, I'm not fond of it. Same with me. I'm not scared of heights. I have more of a fear of falling. Well, falling's fine. It's landing. I'm worried about. And down the waterfall are the boxes containing the sticks, and if it is the correct stick, they have to remember the number that is on the box covering the stick. So much stick talk. Yeah, a lot of stick talk. And Sarah thinks that the first one down is hers, and Jamie says no to the first two. Jamie thinks that Niels is number five and that he is number six, and Sarah thinks she is one and Sinan is number three. And of course Jamie's first instinct when he lands at the bottom of a waterfall, having abseiled down it, is to try and hug the nearest girl in sight. Of course. Player Jamie is back again. And then Robert and Meryl are the next pair down, and Robert is not a natural abseiler. Nobody gives it a go. He does, bless him. I like. I really liked Robert. Yeah, I, I thought he was. He was really up for it. Unlike people with whose names rhyme with Bogan Saunders, I never suspected him at all. I never contemplated that he could be the mole. And what do you know? I was right again. No, he was never. He never appeared on my list at all. Not that I'm disappointed Logan's not here, but he would have got so much stick with Robert going this week. Three times in four eliminations, his number one suspect has gone home, just like Jamie. Yep. <laughs> He's good at it, though. He's, Logan's good at picking the next person to go home. He is, and I have joked with him that I was rooting for Robert to go just to annoy him. <laughs> and what do you know, it happened again. It's like Christmas every week. <laughs> And Meryl has done this before, and Robert thinks his is number two. And I noticed that a few people were wearing jeans. 
Yeah, not not smart. And footwear was a bit off as well. That is a terrible, terrible plan to wear jeans. Jeans when you're getting really, really wet and slippy, that's going to be not fun. Because they're never going to dry, ever. You'd be better off getting some shorts, to be honest. You'll dry yourself a lot quicker than you'll ever dry a pair of jeans. And there would have been some sort of warning when, you know, they turned up to a waterfall of, maybe guys you want to, you know, not wear jeans, or fabric trainers that are going to get wet and never dry again, Neils. Uh, uh, I did feel for them with the trainers. I, I would have got a few spare pairs. It just didn't make sense. They're not thinking straight, this lot. And in the slightly worrying bit, Robert slips on the waterfall repeatedly. Yeah, I'd say he's, he's game, this guy. I've, I've got to give him his due, but he's not a natural abseiler. He is game, but wow, some of those hits. Yeah, it wouldn't have been fun. And they weren't particularly padded up, were they, really? And Meryl thinks that she is number five, and she thinks that Sinan is number two, which, of course... Disagrees with what Sarah thought, but Sarah trusts Meryl, and they are correct and win the first 750 euros for the pot. Hey. And then Niels goes down on his own and immediately regrets his life choices. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He's, he uh, confirms that he wasn't going to enjoy it. He said he wouldn't, and he didn't. <laughs> he was so unenthusiastic about going down the waterfall that it made me A, suspect him even more, and B, love him even more. Yeah. Yeah, either way, it's great. <laughs> If that's deliberate, that's funny. And if that's real, that's funnier. But you know what we missed out on? Nikki doing this challenge? I know! I was thinking that the whole way through. It would have been brilliant. Her makeup would have run, it would have been delightful. She'd have been worried about her nails and everything. But she'd have probably done it really well and it would have been hilarious. Oh, she would have absolutely bossed it, because Nikki was awesome and my favourite character of the season. I just think that this is a massive missed opportunity for us to see Nikki abseiling down a waterfall. I know. Never mind. Maybe she'll do it on one of her YouTube videos. And Rick Paul is the final one to go down because Niels misses all of the tubes and just goes straight down because he's terrified. And he agrees that the first one is Robert's and his tube is number four and he doesn't think that Niels's is, is three, five or six. Which therefore means that he thinks that it's number two. And his team trusts Jamie, but the box doesn't open, and they don't get the second 750 euros, meaning that the total for the episode is 4,000 euros of a possible 77,950, and the total price fund so far is 8 grand out of a possible, drumroll please, 100,200 euros. Wow. If they ever got anywhere close to that. (laughs) Notice this week I used the phrase, a total of, rather than, a possible 100,250 euros. Yeah, because that's clearly not possible. <laughs> because it would have been physically impossible for them to actually get it. Yeah, in, in reality, they're probably at about 25, 30, something like that. So now it's time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home. The mole never does. And our suspicions this week are a little bit more padded out than last week at least. So Robert suspects Rick, Paul, Jamie and Merrill. Sarah suspects Rick, Paul. Rick Paul suspects Meryl, Sinan, and Jamie. Neil suspects Sinan. Sinan suspects a woman. Woman. Meryl suspects Sarah, Rick Paul, and Jamie. And Jamie says that it's not all about making the test best, just not making it worst. Yep. Amazing race theory. Just don't come in last. Which he's not wrong about. He's slightly arrogant that he thinks he's not going to be worst, but he's not wrong. No, no. He's right. And and it, we're just we're just in the territory where you can be splitting without panicking, I think. 
yeah, it's getting towards the waterline of do I start actually having to focus on one person? Yeah, yeah, I think they've got one or two more executions and then they're going to have to start zoning in. But they'll probably know by then. And Jamie's suspicion of a woman comes as part of him saying that he spent a lot of time on women. And all three of his main suspects have gone so far, just like Logan Saunders. Yeah. So, at the execution, Rick, Paul, Merrill and Sarah all get green screens before Robert is the first man to leave. And he says in his goodbye message that he focused on one person too much. Mm, classic tunnel, is he? So, next time, there are five sub-assignments in a brick factory, there's forklifts, pallets, Sarah can't drive a tuk-tuk, and there is a giant zip line. Yeah, it looks a bit more interesting next week. I like the idea of the brickyard stuff. I think that there could be some fun activities there. And so I'm hopefully, hopefully they're going to ramp it up a bit now. I'm wondering whether we're going to see the, the little wooden Euro tokens that we see in the titles next week in the Brick Factory. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It looks like the sort of thing that they would put there. Yeah, could be. So now the most important part of the podcast, who's on your suspect list? Okay, I knew you were going to light you up in on Neil's since quite early um, and not seen anything to dissuade me of that and I think the fact that he's not getting mentioned in the test is probably a good sign um, and then I'm kind of split between Sarah and Rick Paul interesting because mm. Rick Paul's always been kind of meddling in my suspect list yeah I d- there's something there and I'm not quite sure what it is there's something I don't quite believe sometimes there's nothing overt but a little bit of a panic on the waterfall didn't quite feel legit to me but it's difficult and I am struggling a bit this year it is very difficult I mean my top my top two are Niels and Sarah they have been for a few weeks now my third by kind of default is Meryl mm-hmm. even though Robert says that he was on her she's the only one who plausibly could be the mole for me other than Niels and Sarah okay yeah Sinan obviously no Jamie no, especially after this episode, he was far too fanatical and horny yeah. for his own good. <laughs> and I don't know, it's... Meryl and Rick Paul are my middle two. Yeah. And it's very close between them, because I don't really suspect either of them. No, I don't have any strong stuff. I just feel like Rick Paul's kind of bubbling away in the background. Just, yeah, just taking a bit of limelight that I'm not sure he always deserves, which is, you know... It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could mean he's going home next week. And they just... I think the thing is, Rick Paul is the last reliable narrator of the season. Yeah, it could be that. Because they lost Nicky early, who's obviously a star and brilliant in confessionals. Rick Paul kind of has to take up the slack a little bit. Yeah, and, he, and he's quite good at it. So it could be that, that I'm just seeing more of him, and it's it's just attracting my eye. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have a great track record at this. You know, I have one season of getting it right in episode two, but that it so that was the one where everyone was onto the same clue wasn't it yeah pretty much yeah and now the final question who's going home next week mm, i want to say meryl i think we're about at the point of the season where it's going to be a surprise one yeah and i'm going back on what i originally said of him probably being an end gamer and i'm going to go for jamie okay yeah had a bit of a swan song this week he did there was a lot of jamie this week and i I didn't know anything going into the episode. I usually have an inkling of what's going to happen. I didn't know anything going into the episode this week. And it felt like Jamie was being set up to go home this week. Uh, Yeah, I thought that for quite a while. 
So I was fully expecting him to get a red screen, and when Robert got it, I was just pleased that, you know, Logan's lost again. <laughs> so I feel like Jamie's time is probably coming soon. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Especially as we seem to be balancing the genders a little bit again now. Yeah. We shall see. But yeah, I, I'm I'm hope, I'm quite hopeful. I, th- I feel like it's been a slow start to this season, but I'm hopeful it's going to pick up as of next week and uh, we'll have a good old run into the finish. Yeah. Have we got anything else to say about this episode? No, Loving the Clinkers. That's about it. I may have to make the episode title Loving the Clinkers for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. In your honour. As official Vidum substitute teacher. Yeah, I've got my uh, tweed jacket with leather pant- patches on the on the uh, elbows. Anyway, thank you for listening to this VSTML podcast. You can join me next week. Who I'll be with, it won't be Ant because he's away, but hopefully it'll be with Logan for more Mo Hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, and our Twitter account, our TV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me and Bulls Boy for Anthony. And if you're watching Hunted, you can join me and Ant normally, but Ant is away next weekend, so it's just me and Michelle next week for recaps of that on a Sunday, and we will see you next week. Success. Talk to the end.